Find yourself in the Beachview area of Pittsburgh? Check out the official pizza of this show, Slice on Broadway, sharing an abnormal obsession with pizza we can relate to. Check them out at SliceOnBroadway.com and tell them this show sent you. I'm hungry, spark, but I ain't starving yet. Chain for the pain, cocktail for set. Never said I was a gangster or thug, but I'm an animal. Peanut for the taste of the fly. Hey guys, it's the Indie Mayhem Show. I'm Mike Sorg at Sorgatron on Twitter here live in the uh, Mayhem Studios in Pittsburgh, PA. We got a very special Lucha edition of the Indie Mayhem Show. It's a Lucha Mayhem Show tonight, and uh, we'll get into that here in just a moment. But real quick, go check out all the other shows uh, we have going on at WrestlingMayhemShow.com. And you can subscribe to us on the iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, uh, iHeartRadio, wherever the hell else. Uh, audio and video formats and check out all the wrestling talk we have going on and also uh, over on Twitter at Mayhem Show and the Facebook the Facebook group and Google Plus as well and you can also drop us a line if you have any questions for upcoming guests thoughts on this podcast or anything else at 412-206-WMS0 or goodtimesatwrestlingmayhemshow.com so uh, like I said we got something special going on this week of course uh, myself I'm doing some video production here in the Pittsburgh area but with me as usual is Eamon Payton, the voice of Inspire Pro Wrestling, currently down there in San Antonio, Texas, sir? I am unbelievably excited for tonight's work. <laughs> of, of, of all the nights, it, this is, this is going to be really special. I'm very excited. Right, right. It'll be better than that time that Jock Sampson uh, told all the promoters where to stick it. Uh, but anyways, uh, <laughs> also with us uh, on the couch, our friend in the mainstream media, the other guy that does TV that's going to be on the show tonight, Matt Carlins. Awesome to be here. Thanks for letting me uh, tag along on this one. It's going to be fantastic. And also, a Mad Mike from Poughkeepsie, New York. The only one, wait, maybe not the only one tonight that has a future Endeavor letter from WWE. I, I have so many questions. <laughs> so many questions. So I, I wanted to get wait. the guys involved with the midweek war because the guest of honor tonight, of course, is Chris Joseph. We finally tracked them down. We got them in the hot seat tonight. The man, the co-producer behind Lucha Underground, the uh, mass sensation that's sweeping the nation. How are you doing tonight? I'm great, man. I'm ready for the midweek. Wow! <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> I love this so much. This is amazing. We so will much. never hear the end I'm of this. I'm officially saying that's canon in the Lucha Underground universe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we usually start this off by uh, getting to know the person that's on. Uh, uh, we usually, you know, indie wrestlers maybe nobody's heard of or anything. Uh, but first, I'm curious, Chris, how did you first get into pro wrestling? What was your first memory of pro wrestling? Oh, gosh. I mean, I think it goes back to when I was a child, uh, uh, you know, going to see wrestling in a high school football stadium, I think. So seeing the Killer Bees, I think my dad oh, took geez. me. Um, gosh, it goes back a long time. It's just always been something that's been a part of my life and, uh, something that I've always, uh, been passionate about and, and enjoyed, uh, to watch and, and, and go to. That's great. And, and of course you, you're, of course, taking on the, the creative side. You, you give a story career as far as that side goes. Yeah. So how did that connect to decide that's what you wanted to go into that part of it? Gotcha. I came to a point in my life, I think I was like 23, and everybody in my family asked me, uh, you better do something with your life. And I said, I want to go into professional wrestling. And they all looked at me like I was uh, bonkers. Uh, but it ended up working out. I, I went to the WWE. I used to bring my resume there like every day. And I, I, think, I, I think I was thrown out a few times. And uh, 
I just kept doing it. Persistence paid off, and eventually uh, I got a shot there as an intern. I, I got coffee a lot, uh, <laughs> you know, and then eventually things worked out where I was really just desperate for a full-time job, and I saw uh, I saw a, a, uh, a posting in Human Resources for a writer's assistant, and I said, I want to do that, and uh, they were like, well, we only hire people from Hollywood, things like that. Uh, I had been around like indie wrestling doing like a little minor promotion in Connecticut at the time. And, uh, um, I said, well, uh, I can do that. And, uh, I wrote a script and it ended up getting around the office. And, uh, next thing you know, they asked me for an interview and on my interview day, I sat next to the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase in the, in the lobby. And I was like, this is probably the greatest day ever. So if I don't get the job, I'm totally cool with it. Um, yeah. And then it just kind of, kind of went from there. I worked, WWE for like six years and then uh, moved out to LA to do other television shows. Um, and then uh, this opportunity to do Lucha Underground came around. Awesome. So Chris, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Today was the first day of filming for Lucha Underground season two. Uh, yeah, today was our first official day of filming. So uh, we had a lot of fun. We did uh, really some cool stuff, uh, including uh, a big opening for, for season two. So uh it was it was quite exciting, and uh, it was it's, it's good to be back. There was a good vibe, and it, everything kind of felt like the same vibe as we had in season one. So uh, everyone was happy to be back to work, and it was fun. So I'm curious, just on the outside looking in, um, there's a period of great uncertainty among us who uh, really enjoyed Lucha Underground about whether there was even going to be a season two. So I'm just curious, like from where you were sitting. If you had to like draw like the line graph of your confidence in there actually being a season two since season one, what would this look like? Is this a squiggly line or is this straight up or um, kinda, um, what were you what sense were you getting that this was really going to go down? Uh, it was probably a bit of a heart attack at times. It was always kind of <laughs> up, down, up, down, up, down. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? But I just kind of I, I trusted that it would. It just took a real long time for it to become official, you know, and that that was the frustrating part. But, uh, you know, uh, they they figured things out and and we're back and we're uh, we're ready to we're ready to do it up again. man. Let me ask you real quick. Um, when Alberto Del Rio Returned to WWE. Um, when was that? A week ago from Sunday? Um, when Alberto Del Rio returned to WWE, how much did that screw things up for you guys? Uh, it didn't really screw anything up for us. Um, I mean, I, in a way, I, I never, nobody ever said that was going to happen, but I just always kind of felt like that was going to happen. Mm. Uh, but, but we came to a point where uh, you know, it was a mutual decision from both parties to, to, to go our separate ways. And, and uh, I, I, I'm okay with that. He did a good, he did have kind of a good send off with ultimately throwing uh Jai Mundo in through Dario Cueto's office, just like Mundo did to him. So it was kind of like, it felt like there was closure at the end of Ultima Lucha for his setup too, even though he lost the match. Yeah, I agree, and, and I think you know that's where I think we felt like there was a good breaking point, and uh, and it and and it was what it was, and 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 it, we I thank Alberto for for being a part of the show. He was a great part of it, but hey, we're ready to move on, man, and 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 we got a lot of other talented guys on this show, and I think you guys know that there are, and, and especially a lot of young talented guys. So I think that's that's where we'd like to 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 put our focus on. Uh, going into sort of. Uh 
sort of Lucha Underground in general, I think a lot of the talking points with the uh, with the uh, the company is that is it is a lot of people refer to it as the alternative that a lot of people have been looking for in wrestling. Um, would you would you say what do you think, in your opinion, sets Lucha Underground apart from anything else in professional wrestling nowadays? Um, I, I think, I mean, God, this is going to sound arrogant, but you know, I think storytelling, a commitment to storytelling, uh, a commitment to, uh, you know, giving a payoff to people who invest their time in, in watching the show. Uh, if you invest your time, it's not like we're just going to totally drop the storyline and then you'll just totally forget it never existed. I mean, sometimes we might have to move around and, and, and make some changes. Uh, you know, we had to with, with Chavo last year with, with him getting injured, we had to make some last minute changes, uh, going into Ultima Lucha, but, uh, you know, we, we try to pay off everything we can, uh, to the best of our ability. I mean, I think the other thing is, I think the talent, uh, sets it apart. I, I, that's another, uh, you know, whole thing. Uh, and the fact that there's like, there's very little politics at Lucha Underground. Um, it's, it's a big team group environment and everybody has the same goal and that's to make the most fun, entertaining wrestling show that we can. And then I think third, uh, would be the production value. Um, you know the people from uh, from Skip Film and Skip Chasen who 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 directs our our backstage uh, vignettes, and and even you know the people from Burnett, uh, you know they're the best in the world at making TV shows. So uh, it's pretty good to to always be surrounded by an A team of people who know what they're doing all the time. We're always talking about awesome. how unique Lucha Underground is. It's like this altered reality. It's like this completely fresh presentation of professional wrestling where, where did this concept come from like how did this kind of germinate and evolve as you guys were putting things together well you know i first heard like rumblings about it uh like probably two februarys ago and i was like trying to get my uh my resume in there and and because i heard you know mark, mark burnett's making a wrestling show so i figured gosh this is right up my alley it might be something that I'd be interested in, especially since a while before that I had told myself I'm never going back into the wrestling business. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, never say never. And uh, uh, it ended up, um, uh, you know, I'd heard some things about it and I went to a couple meetings and I heard some of the ideas that were going around and I kind of gave them my spin on things. And I, I you know, I think uh, uh, Eric Van Wagenen, um, the executive producer, um, me and him saw things a lot the same way. And I think uh, they understood that I had, uh, you know, a level of expertise and experience, at least from my time uh, with Vince. And um, I think that they thought that it was the right fit. I know they, they had interviewed other people for it. And, uh, you know, it just became a process of kind of hashing out ideas. There were original ideas that were on the table. Uh, and then, you know, we had to take some of those, tweak some of those ideas. But, uh, you know, in the end, kind of, you know, try to create this world and, and, and this environment and, and make, kind of make it its own little universe. So that was always the, well, sorry, sorry. Uh, so this was, um, like, I remember just a few years before this there, and I know it's like on Hulu and I actually kind of resurfaced it a little bit, but there was like a Lucha Libre USA that came about and it didn't seem like it fared very well. Were there concerns about getting into the Lucha Libre kind of thing? Uh, after was that something on the mind or on, the, you know, when, when you guys were talking about this? No, it was definitely on my mind. I mean, that was one of the things that I said from the beginning was like, hey, this has been kind of tried with Wrestling Society X, then mm -hmm. Lucha Libre USA. Like, there's kind of a reason that these kind of shows haven't lasted and, and succeeded. And I was trying to prevent us from being the same because I think, um, 
you know, and I think a lot of people were trying to prevent that from being the same, but, you know, everybody gave their input and we tried to figure out the best way to, to steer it and make this show what it was, uh, you know, off the bat and, and try to make it work. Uh, you know, that's kind of how you notice, um, you know, in the first probably nine episodes, we kind of roll out the kind of supernatural and weird stuff, uh, you know, a little bit slower because I think part of us were a little nervous to hit you right over the head with it. We wanted people to, to see that it was a wrestling show with some known people and then start to sprinkle those cool, fantastical elements uh, into the show that, that make Lucha Underground what it is now. Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of, uh, oh, go, go ahead, Mike. That's, that's kind of one thing we noticed, like uh, we were actually just talking about earlier tonight where you have to kind of do the legwork and establish a universe that you can see things like electric skeleton ninjas being a real thing <laughs> or Drago flying away with a, with a fi- with like a fireball and then Aerostar following him up with a jetpack. Like yeah, when we yeah. watch that, we buy into it completely. And uh, I, I just want to know, like did uh, Robert, did uh, Robert Rodriguez have any input into that? Because I know it's on L rare and everything. And he's into a lot of like the, uh, like I know he's into a lot of the Mexican culture with El Mariachi and stuff like that. Did he have any kind of input on it? Well, I mean, part of his original vision of the show was kind of tied into Mexican culture and mythology. And then we kind of took it and ran with it and kind of mixed all these different worlds. But I mean, every day when we write those shows and we sit down and make these shows, we think about what Robert would do and how Robert would make the show. Like everything is done in our opinion, you know, the way we think that Robert would do it. And, uh, you know, he can't oversee every little thing that we do. He's a busy man and he's making movies and other TV shows and running his own network. So, uh, you know, he, he watches the show. He, he, he reads the scripts. He gives us input. And, uh, and, and that's, that, that, you know, that's pretty much it. And hopefully maybe this season, you know, uh, you know, he'll, he'll like what we've got too. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an exciting show. It's, and it's a, it's a great show for the network. And we knew that we were trying to, Use Lucha Underground to help help build the Allray Network and help make make the Allray Network, you know, kind of a, a household name. Tell me about um, you kind of alluded to it there for a second, but like, what what was your goals? I guess like, how did you guys define what would be a success for Lucha Underground during the first season? Were you looking for, I don't know, were you looking for ratings? Were you looking for social media buzz? And and how did you kind of measure just how successful you guys? we're doing your job as uh, season one went on. I mean, I think from the beginning, we just wanted to start to get this out there and start to uh, have people hear about it. Uh, we knew right away that we didn't want to be the WWE and we aren't the WWE and, you know, we don't want to be the WWE. Uh, that was one thing that strongly from the very beginning that, that we were pretty adamant about, but you know, I think we knew that it was, this wasn't, this, this was going to take some time and we we're going to have to earn the audience trust. And, uh, that, that over time, this would hopefully become more and more and more popular. I mean, there were times in the beginning when I was, like, worried that, oh, gosh, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what's, how, how people are going to respond to this, especially when you're taping so far in advance because sometimes, you know, you have a ninja skeleton and you wonder, like, <laughs> I wonder how people are going to take this. Are they going to be like, okay, uh, I'm done with watching this show, or you have a man fly away from the temple as a dragon. Uh <laughs> Uh, you know, so, uh, you just kind of, were you surprised how much you were able to, sorry. No, go ahead. I I was just going to say, we rolled the dice and, and hope that, that it worked and we trusted our our instincts and trusted our talent and, and it ended up working, I think. 
were, think, you, were you surprised with how much you guys were able to get away with? Uh, a little bit. As it went on, I started to think, like, gosh, we are really doing some crazy <laughs> stuff. Um, uh, so uh, that, that, that it did surprise me. Sometimes I had to pinch myself and be like, man, I can't believe they like this. Uh, this is, I thought that maybe they wouldn't. Um, so that, that's a good thing. I, I didn't really honestly never expected any positive reviews at all, especially usually in kind of the internet wrestling community. It's a generally negative, uh, <laughs> uh, world and there's lots of negative reviews, but I can see why, because I've watched a lot of the same things that get negative reviews and I hate them too. So, um, you know, we just, we just try to do something different and, and strive to be different. And then once I think we had our own little universe that existed, it's like I think that it makes it easier as a fan to buy into some of that stuff because it takes place in this world. It doesn't take place in a in an arena in Milwaukee. You know, it's uh, it's just like in this. You know, it's, it, it exists in its own place, and that's kind of cool. It's almost like a little comic book universe where we can now kind of almost. I mean, we killed a guy. We killed a guy. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> you killed a guy. Striker figured out what happened to Bale yet because. <laughs> We're just concerned, like maybe Stryker thinks he's on paid leave, or yeah, I don't think the announcers <laughs> know where Bale is, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, his you know his brains are somewhere probably splattered all over the ground or something like that. <laughs> that was one I was a little worried about, but I said, "Gosh, if we can get it, if we can do this one, we can we could probably do anything." <laughs> Amos, do you want to jump I, in I, here? I will say I love I love that you guys um, kind of took the Marvel method and. Right after you see, like, I remember the first episode of Lucha Underground, uh, when I saw the Lucha logo at the end, I turned the, DV- I turned the DVR off. Right. And, and then I had read a review that said something happened after the stinger. I'm like, oh, they're doing Marvel? Like, like Marvel-esque things? Like a, 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 like a segment after the end? And that is, because that drove the narrative, like, week to week. It just, like, kept you in. Yeah, we wanted to try to try to stay true and have cliffhangers and fun stuff like that, and and really reward the audience for hanging in there and watching the show. Uh, I think that was something that was important to us. So now you really can't miss a minute of Lucha Underground because you don't know when something is going to happen. I think we we moved pieces around that you know you could see a main event in segment one, or you could see different people in in the main event. It uh, it became kind of. Um, uh, you know, I think we developed our characters pretty well, and, and that that gave us the opportunity to do that. You, uh, we, we, I was going to say, we mentioned some of the the past groups that have done sort of studio style wrestling, like you guys do, like a, 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 a WSX and, and companies like that. And I remember when I first heard about the the uh, about Lucha Underground, I thought it was a really cool concept. But I was, I was very interpretation like, just because of you know being involved, like seeing studio wrestling before. And I feel I was obviously definitely proven wrong. Um, for somebody that has worked in WWE, which kind of goes by more of a traditional style of, of, of a wrestling show and, and now something like Lucha Underground that, that has that more studio feel, uh, what are sort of the big differences when it comes to, to putting on a show for in those two kind of realms? Well, you know, obviously we don't have to go live, so we can, you know, we can have mistakes made. Uh, we also can edit a lot more, have a lot more time to edit our matches if we need to, uh, or fix things. Um, and our editors do a tremendous job uh, of that. But for the most part, I mean, 
we get a lot. We pretty much capture everything. I think that that's a little bit different vibe, but I like the intimate vibe of, of, of the temple. It's funny. Like when I was at WWE, I once pitched them a undertaker, a themed studio show where like the undertaker was the ruler of this, like, you know, do thing, but they, they hated it. So, uh, you know, it's kind of neat that I get to do something now, <laughs> but like kind of like that, you know, now. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a cool environment and it's intimate. And, and I think, you know, in a way, it feels like a, a you know, like a like a fun show that you go to at a high school gym, but it's, you know, but it's in it's in a temple, and you still got those rabid fans, and it's kind of neat because you know we have a cool vibe. Like there's there could be a celebrity sitting next to the dude who lives down the street, and it's like uh, <laughs> it's a cool little thing. People people tailgate in the parking lot and drink beers and and bottles of rum. And, uh, and they enjoy, <laughs> they enjoy Lucha Underground. <laughs> so, uh, kind of to that, because another one that, that, that sounds like the description of is a, a pro wrestling gorilla and our boy, uh, Antonio Garza, who's on the Midweek War, a good bit. Um, he's, he says, uh, apparently, uh, during your Reddit AMA, he, he had asked if you had a chance to check out pro wrestling gorilla. And, uh, he thinks you mentioned that most of the people you work with did, but you hadn't yet. I just wanted to check in to see if you had a chance to check it out or, or, uh, battle for Los Angeles this year. Oh, I think that was Eric because uh, I never did a Reddit. Right? Oh, okay, okay. But I, yeah, I've I've, uh, I've gone to PWG uh, quite a few times, and uh, I'm well aware of it and uh, what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me ask you about uh, I, um, some of these guys who were on Lucha Underground. A lot of you know consumers of mainstream pro wrestling in uh, in the U.S. didn't know a lot about these guys like Pentagon Junior. and Phoenix and Drago. And now these guys are doing PWG and they're doing all these indie shows in the U.S. You guys help put these guys on the map here in the U.S. and the States. And now their their popularity is soaring right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, even with some of the guys, I don't think originally we knew exactly what we had. We knew that we had young stars. That was pretty much, uh, you know, the kind of in a way the guys that we requested were some younger people. Um, we, we definitely wanted a female. So like the original five were Pentagon, uh, Phoenix, Drago, Sexy Star, and then uh, Blue Demon because kind of the original concept of the show is that Dario Cueto was going to go down and buy these luchadors from AAA. And then the show kind of morphed a little bit. We show a little bit of it in the first, uh, the first uh, opening of Lucha Underground. You see Dario kind of purchasing them. Um, but we, we kind of thought that the characters that we brought from AAA should a all be masked. Uh, you know, you're introducing Lucha Libre to America, and I think that's one of the first things you know an American would think of when they think of Lucha Libre as a masked wrestlers. We thought that was important. We thought one needed to be a female. Uh, we needed at least one heel, and and uh, then uh, I thought that we needed one kind of established legend, and and that was Blue Demon. So uh, you know, it was a. Uh, it was a cool little thing, and some of those guys have turned into just uh, mega stars. I mean, Pentagon Junior. probably seems to be like the most popular guy on the whole show now. Um, and he kind of, you know, we slow burned and built him uh, over time, but man, he's 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 a special talent for sure. Now, uh, you mentioned Dario Cueto. Yeah, and I, I think most of us will agree that. If it wasn't for Dario Cueto, the show might not work as well as it does. Yeah. How how did you find him? Like, was there a casting call, or was this yeah. someone that somebody knew, or he just came yeah. in, auditioned, and killed it? We did a casting call. We probably had at least probably thirty five Cuetos that came in. 
Um, and <laughs> and uh, no, everybody, wow. everybody's visualizing that right now. By the way, yeah. <laughs> do they I'm all like, wear giant keys around? Their head? No, they didn't have the key at that point. We had the key in mind, but we didn't. We didn't let them know. We just gave them a script as as Dario Cueto and uh, our current Dario Luis Fernandez Gill. He just like I, after watching them back, I think everybody independently of each other, either you know. Me, the other writers, uh, Eric, uh, other producers on the show, everybody sent in, like, uh, you know, Luis's number. and was like, hey, this is our top choice, and then here's some other choices. And then I think we brought him in two or three more times, and uh, in those two or three times, he just kept getting better and better and better. And I just started believing, like, oh, my gosh, I'm in the room with this guy that, 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 that we imagined he would be. And he's, like, right in front of me. And, uh, and Luis just kind of stole the show, and that's how he became uh, Dario Cueto, El Jefe. Going from the side of, uh, of somebody, like, auditioning for a casting call for a position there, uh, I think another thing that we've been really impressed by is uh, some of the talents with wrestling backgrounds that are on the show that have adapted to sort of that, uh, like, the, a lot of the backstage stuff, like the acting that comes with that. Uh, yeah. Do you have maybe a talent that, that's there that really impressed you in that, in that realm? Uh, when it comes to like the backstage sort of uh, vignettes, yeah, you know, I think uh, I think like King Cuerno is really good. Uh, Pentagon for sure. I think Pentagon in ring and behind the scenes, he just has this, you know, personality that's just electric. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm just trying to think. I think Drago's kind of cool, but you know, I think they have the advantage of playing off of a lot of times playing off a of Dario, it just makes the, it makes the performance better because honestly, when we're shooting these things and you see this man in a black suit with a key and his hair slicked back, like you really feel like it's Dario Cueto and he just came out of a bathroom stall, did a bump. And then all of a sudden Drago <laughs> comes down out of another toilet and he's there. You know, it's just like, <laughs> like you really feel like you're in, in that, uh, in, in that world with him and that he's really, a bad, evil, evil promoter who runs an underground fight club. So, so you, knew that, you, you knew Dario, or, or you knew the person behind Dario. You knew he could act. Did you know that he could do wrestling? And and was there a transition uh, for him in figuring that out, or did he kind of know what to do? Yeah, it started. I mean, one of the first things I told him, I'm like, uh, is somebody you, to do this part? I want somebody who's got to be willing. At some point, you're probably gonna have to take a bump. A um, a different kind of bump, and and um, and he uh, he was he was a judo black belt judo, and uh, <laughs> he liked, we thought that was cool, and um, and then in the beginning he had some growing pains where like he'd kind of be in the ring and maybe like step in front of a wrestler or do something like to Johnny that Johnny didn't like, and it took Luis about probably two or three episodes before he realized like how to play it and not to try to try to you know, make the wrestlers necessarily look stupid right in front of them, uh, in, especially when they're in the ring. Um, but uh, he, he adapted quick and learned and asked questions, and he just got better and better and better. All right. Um, I, I I was wondering, is Sexy Star okay? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I know. No, I mean, I, I love the uh, – the. we were talking before you, before you got on – the. The final like Lucha Underground wacky races that you had set up for the end of the season, like yeah. everyone, <laughs> everyone going off on their own path, and just how how well you were able you guys were able to take Marty the Moth, mm-hmm. who was this 
big Lucha fan, doesn't know how moth wings work, and he's just backstage. He's a big fan, and then he turns into like he just snapped and turned like into an evil psychotic character. Like I see stuff like that on Gotham and Flash now. Like, how did you guys get the? Was that always the plan for him, or did that kind of develop when you were working with him more? And more? Yeah, I mean, originally he was kind of psychotic. We took a few, we we tried a few things with him in the arena, and we took those out of a few episodes. And then we, we we kind of came up with that scene where he was outside, just sitting outside, and, and he runs into Mister Quato, and then he like runs out of frame, um, <laughs> and uh, you know was telling his story about how he has Aztec blood, and and nobody believes him, and. Uh, yeah, yeah, he he kind of just kind of developed and developed, and we had this kind of issue with him and Sexy Star. And we always knew what the end game was. We always knew that that uh, Marty had a sister. Uh, it was just a matter of when we revealed that. So, uh, you know, it took just took a little bit of time to to, to get to that point, and uh, and we went for it on the finale of Ultima Lucha. Awesome. Hey, I want to take a real mo- uh, real quick moment to take a quick break here. Uh, we'll be right back with a, a bit more of Krista Joseph. And, uh, but in the meantime, go check out uh, what happened last week in Sorgatron Media. There's hobos, there's technology, there's great stuff, geeky stuff, and some pro wrestling. Good talk. We'll be right back. He made a lot of noises, but uh, uh, no language. He liked to bash his head off of things. Bricks, mainly. He would throw bricks up in the air and then, and then jump and smash the brick. He was an a interesting fella, Rambo was. Oh, Chachi is not here, by the way. Senor Maple Leaf. Yes, yes. Okay, eh? It's Halloween. Wow. I'm allowed to do happy, this. Happy Halloween. I am allowed to do this. I, I, I'm sorry. It's really hot under there. Have you noticed that we have the travelwits.com, which solves the cheapest way to get from A to B, vacations within budget. And one of the problems uh, that seems interesting to us uh, down the road is uh, utilization of uh, hotel points and, and uh, mile frequent flyer mi- miles. The Google Trends Fright Guys? Whoa! Yeah, so, so this will tell you what the trending search Halloween costume search trends are. There, if you look at the top above the map, there's a trending nationally. Zima says it all the time. He, be humble. Just be humble. Listen. And Zima's one of those guys where I feel like I probably wouldn't be where I am in wrestling if it wasn't for things he said and advice he gave me. I like to think that Brock Lesnar and Undertaker just have baby fingernails that are like right, razor sharp. <laughs> <laughs> and they just couldn't help it, you know? All right, check out all that stuff. A little bit of a, a taster of taster uh, of, of uh, damn, I'm going to start delicious <laughs> after four <laughs> shows in a row I start losing it a little bit but, slice uh, on Broadway slice on, all that slice on pro- no, no 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 we don't advertise <laughs> that on here not as much that's not too really uh, alright there's a little bit of what happened last week in Sorgatron Media make sure of course please check out Sawtooth Willie he's getting horny this week and uh, it's a lot of fun there with our Pittsburgh hobo friend and so much more. Uh, SorgatronMedia.com. So let's get back to it. And I wanted to uh, take a break and get back into We had uh, questions in the chat room. We had uh, Garza email a couple in. I want to make sure we get to here. Uh, first of all, Bobby F. J. Town in the chat room. 
He's saying as far as uh, Vampiro and Pedagon Jr. and I, I just watched uh, Ultima Lucha today, and I couldn't believe. I, I think that's the first time I've seen light tubes on television. I know I've seen a lot of like like Juggalo Championship wrestling and a little bit of CZW and stuff, uh, but that just kind of blew my mind a little bit there. Uh, but he he asked, uh, uh, th- did they know they were going to go as far as they did and go into the crowd, or was that just them kind of taking the match on their own? Was it a surprise for you on, on your side of things? Well, I, I, we knew that they were going to go in the crowd. That was kind of part of the plan uh, that we knew beforehand. I didn't think they were going to take as long as they did. Mm-hmm. I also didn't think they were going to use as many light tubes as they did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I just had like you know lawyers like looking at me the entire time. I'm like, oh, it'll be fine. Everything's cool. You know, professionals. They're professionals. <laughs> <laughs> we got this. We got this. Uh, but uh, you know, in the end, I remember people came to me like. At first, I'm like, oh, boy, after the match is over, I just kind of put my head head in my hands. And I think Eric looked at me and we're just like, oh, boy, oh, boy. Then all of a sudden, uh, a bunch of people came back to the to the control room, um, some some investors in the show and executives. And they were like, that was amazing. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) You had to be out there. You had to see that. And uh, and uh, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, it almost like the audience needed an intermission after something like that. You know, it was just. It was brutal, brutally violent, but I think in the end it told the right story and oh, told yeah. the story that we, that we were trying to tell. Amazing, amazing stuff. Um, and especially for me, I'm very disenchanted with like hardcore wrestling as a whole like, in the last few years, but that just like it, it, it kind of brought it back around for me for like it's done the right way, right? So, um, also, there's a lot of rumors, of course. I know we were hearing them, and we, we talked about a little earlier about like how, how was, you know, that, that kind of back and forth and everything. Um, there was a couple of things that, that, that Garza wanted to ask about. Um, there was a, a one, like, a rumors of our season two and three getting, getting a, a, a shot together. Uh, is there any news of a DVD release? I know, I know I heard Netflix was on the table potentially for a minute there, at least on the rumor mill. Uh, can you dispel or confirm any of those rumors as you can? Uh, no, I can't. Uh, <laughs> it's all out there in the wind. Garza, I tried. I tried. <laughs> Sorry, Garza. I like my job too much. So, uh, <laughs> no problem. No problem. But I do think I do think that there's uh, good things in the future for Lucha Underground. That's, That's awesome. Sure. So, so there may be a way that we could potentially binge watch all season one. There may be. <laughs> good, because I, I want to do the whole thing and just do. Li- I want to live tweet the whole thing. Oh wow! Everything that'll be. We we actually had Bobby uh, do that one weekend. He he watched Lucha for a couple hours straight, like six or eight hours straight, and just kept yeah. going. Yeah, he looked like he'd been up for like three days. I think when I saw that. that episode. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I'm glad I can't do it anymore. Uh, but yeah, you, you guys finally got him on board, which is which is cool. It can't be as bad when I tried to do a WrestleMania day for thirty days because that got rough. Oh. That got oh, that's tough. oh, the nineties were so tough. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, Lawrence Taylor, no. Uh, I, I went to WrestleMania 9, so yeah, I feel your pain. <laughs> Somehow, that's probably the one I watched the I, most. I, I, still, I still maintain WrestleMania 9 had the best announced team. Yeah, I wanted my after the show was over. I told my dad I wanted my money back, and then I, I when later years later I went to go work for Vince. I told him I said, "Hey, I want my refund back for WrestleMania Nine because the way Hogan won the title was was total bullshit." And uh, you know, yeah. Bret Hart, 
Bret Hart should have had the title, man, or, or you should have just kept it on Yoko. And he goes, sorry, I'm not giving you your money back. He's <laughs> 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 like, I already deposited it. Sorry, man. Too funny. That's amazing. Or he's spinning on a motorcycle, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. You have one? Oh, go ahead, Matt. Matt. Uh, we, we just mentioned commentary teams. It reminded me I wanted to ask this question. We loved Matt Stryker and Vampiro together on the commentary desk, but I have a feeling that might not be what we get for season two. Can you kind of shed a little light on what we're going to get at the announce position? Nope. <laughs> Super. Uh, <laughs> Great. I don't want to spoil anything. You guys would be surprised. Although I'm kind of okay with like Vampiro just being a dark Jesse Ventura to Matt Stryker, you know, maybe maybe a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I wish I could let you know, but uh, I don't want to. I don't want to give too many spoilers. Come on now. No, I I I like (laughs) I like this. I like wrestling Uh, with secrets, Sorg. This is good. I like this. This is is one of the great things. What you're not going to read the spoilers on this one? I, I tell you what, that. Chris, this is one of the worst things because um, I know you guys try to take steps to keep things under wraps when yeah. you're doing your television tape. You try to keep your audience to you know, keep this to yourself, but stuff still gets out and you go to some of these yeah. sites that you know compile all these ring results and they'll be putting the results up for Lucha Underground. I had to basically like divorce myself from these websites for like half the year because I didn't want to spoil myself. And I think that's a that's a good thing at least. But I, I will say the one thing that I think we have the advantage of is that nobody knows what happens in our backstage scenes. So only we know. Only a handful of people know. So at least even the people who come to the show and watch it live, they go home and watch it and they're like, Oh my god, I didn't have no idea that's why that <laughs> happened and I think that kinda makes it makes it a little bit more fun and less spoiler free, even if you read them. You know, some people can't help themselves. No, yeah. no. Mike? Definitely. Hey, I, no, I, I categorically did not read spoilers on Lucha Underground. No. I, I, I will, I will read spoilers for TNA mm-hmm. because at that point, at this point, does it really matter? Might as well, totally. <laughs> but yeah, no, I like. There was a podcast I listened to that went to um, one of the guys went to Ultima Lucha. I turned off the podcast immediately and asked and asked him like. You're not spoiling anything, right? Because I will not listen to the rest of the show if you're going to spoil anything. <laughs> but yeah, they didn't, they didn't spoil anything. And the backstage, like, if you went to a taping, you don't even know Black Lotus exists in the world. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty much. You, yeah, you just know that there were, that there was a beautiful uh, Chinese girl in the audience for about a few weeks. You know, that's about it. Otherwise, <laughs> you've never seen her again. You don't, you, you, if you only went to the tapings, you don't know that there's a Matanza. You know, there's just... Uh, yeah, there's there's lots of different different things. You don't know that there's a El Dragon Azteca, so that was pretty amazing. That uh, we just had a complete storyline that never ever went into the ring the entire season. <laughs> I, I wonder yeah. how. I do have a question about Matanza. Uh, you don't oh, have you to do? spoil anything. I'm just uh, when you because I'm guessing I'm assuming this was all planned out with Matanza and everything. Did you already have someone in mind for it and already like had him? like slot like a person slotted in or is that just like a placeholder for um well we had a few people slotted in originally matanza was supposed to come out in episode nine come out of the cage uh originally there were a lot of things that happened and uh fortunately for me i think and i look back on it as like a super blessing uh we had a few talents that couldn't uh, get across the border with their visas and had some visa issues so we were forced to 
change our storylines and go to Prince Puma versus Johnny Mundo on the first night. And as a result, everything changed. And it really, I think, in a way, uh, helped big time with, 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 with our storytelling and kind of pushed us to think a little bit differently. So it was a blessing in disguise. And I thank God every day that it happened because I think if we would have done some of the stuff we were originally would have done, it wouldn't have turned out as, as good. And then eventually once we had Matanz in the cage for a little while, it's like, Hey, let's just not let him out yet. Let's just keep, <laughs> keep the intrigue going and just keep, keep him in there. And, uh, so, um, that's been, uh, that's been, that's been a fun thing to do, but yeah, it was originally he was supposed to come out a lot earlier, and uh, now we're kind of uh, he finally got out at the last episode. Ah, awesome! So, he, so he was supposed to be like a big in ring part of the show. Yeah, in the very beginning, yeah, um, he was supposed to just come out right away, and uh, I'm so glad that that didn't happen. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it, I swear, I, I've been fantasy booking so many different people like it could be from Matanza and I've been looking into AAA just seeing like who could this possibly be we had someone we had somebody in mind at the at the beginning but then kind of changed our mind uh once we decided to keep the monster in the cage so uh, I'll let you can speculate all you want but uh yeah and then we then then uh you know we decided on somebody else so Matt I I'm so relieved to know that there is an actual guy who will be able to at least portray Matanza. I'm so, so worried about. They don't have anybody. They don't have a guy. They're just they're dragging us along here. Um, I could be I could be lying, but I'm not. I, I don't mind. It's okay. Um, who's your favorite character from Lucha Underground? Oh gosh, that's a tough one. Um, hmm. I, mean, I love Pentagon. I do. Uh, I love Drago a lot, a real lot. He uses nunchucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when he pulled out the nunchucks in that match with uh, Hernandez, lost my damn mind. Yeah, he, he was actually he came up to me and was like, "Hey, uh, can I take? Can I use my nunchucks?" And I was just like, "Yes, yes." <laughs> like I, I was so mad at myself that I didn't think of it. I'm like, "Yes, of course you could use your nunchucks." So uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. I love him. Um, I think uh, you know, there's a part of me that loves uh, loves. Uh, and Helico Evilise and Son of Havoc, they just kind of became the lovable losers of, of, of Lucha Underground, the ultimate underdogs. And, uh, you know, I, I know people sometimes, you know, call them like Team Three's Company or something like that, or I've heard all sorts of names about them. I, I like to call them Team Dysfunct Trios. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's, that's, that's pretty clever. But, you know... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but uh yeah I, I like them i like everybody I, I don't know you know bengala really like bengala really really like him the mighty bengala the mighty bengala. <laughs> from the jungle yeah uh obviously obviously uh all of us here definitely gushed a lot about uh uh stuff that's happened on lucha underground uh from your perspective of of, of being an executive producer what's what is your proudest achievement, I guess you could say, from, from season one? The thing you, uh, you were most happy with what you produced? Oh, the thing that I was most happy that I produced? A second season. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yeah, uh, it was nice to know that I could get another job. Um, but uh, yeah, probably that. Um, gosh, um, I think Aztec Warfare is something that I'm pretty proud of. Uh, I think that was kind of a turning point for us a little bit. Um, and, uh, it was something that we took a concept and kind of, I think in a way improved on it. 
Um, and, uh, yeah, that was something that, that took a lot of time and a lot of thought and, uh, I, I was pretty happy with it. It was something that a match concept kind of twist on it that, uh, Chris Roach, who also writes a show with me along with this guy, Matt Stolen, but me and Roach years ago were, were kind of coming up with ideas because we were going to have a meeting to work for TNA and, uh, we were just coming up with some ideas and it was one of the ones that we kind of thought of. And then, uh, yeah, then TNA told us that they passed. So, yeah. But that's cool. <laughs> not a, uh, not a smart speaking of concept, uh, speaking of concepts that you guys kind of improved on, um, the Aztec medallions. Yeah. That, the seven. No, wait, wait. The seven ancient Aztec. The, the seven ancient Aztec medallions. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, that like, it was such a fabulous long build, and for for us to realize that it's kind of like Money in the Bank, but it's not. And Dario wants to promote the match whenever it happens. Like, like, is it fun being able to kind of take the concepts that have been established for years by other companies like WWE and stuff like that, and not not really poke at the concept, but just like get a little digger to in there? Absolutely, one hundred percent. I love to take <laughs> little shots that I can. I can. Uh, I, I think a lot of people do on the show. It's a little personal, probably for me, but. Uh, more than others, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a uh, it's a fun thing to do, and you know, we just we're just trying to do something different. And I thought, you know, the kind of the concept of these coins that can be redispersed and it just always gives you something to fight for, and that's something that that we're we try to do at least in every match. And I think that's something that helps make uh, us, I think, at least compelling television to watch sometimes because uh, oftentimes when you watch WWE, uh, there's a match that just is there and it doesn't mean anything. So we try to give every match stakes, uh, meaning, uh, whether it's a personal rivalry or whether something's on the line, that was something that from the very beginning that we thought was a, a super important thing to ha- always have. Yeah. Cause even, even Dario mentioned that like with, uh, Jack Evans and I want to say Bengala, uh, no, uh, our genus, our Hennis, our Hennis, Yeah. Uh, and Dario was like, "This match doesn't mean anything, so let's let's put one of them, one of the medallions on the line." Like, yeah, we did, we just went out and just said it. Like, nobody really cares about this match. So let's make it interesting. <laughs> but that's a, that's such a subversive way to go about it. And I kind of wish more more companies would like take the lead on that. Like, it's a great way of looking at it because it doesn't treat your fans like idiots. Yeah, man. Like yeah. a, a medallion would have done so much for like Orton and Sheamus for that long period there in the summer, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Seamus already has the briefcase. That oh, that's right. Mean. That's right. <laughs> um, uh, Bobby of Jtown is wondering, uh, what is your favorite match so far that you guys have had? Oh gosh, Great Consequences is my favorite match yeah. that we've had mm-hmm. so far. Uh, I mean, that was just uh, that was one where I was like standing in the back, just like you know, marking out myself. Like I felt like a fan. I'm like, Oh my God. You know, I was just jumping up and down backstage and, and like, you know, I knew some of the things that we're going to do. Cause we kind of planned some of the stuff, like take the casket, take the rope off, put the casket in the ring, do some of the stuff with the casket. I knew all that. Uh, I knew we were going to rip the mask, but I never expected like mill to bite Phoenix's face and chew on his face and spit out his blood. Uh, like, I mean, <laughs> It was incredible, incredible to be there and then incredible to just get to watch it again. Like that was one of the things I was most excited about. I was like, when we're editing the shows, uh, you know, we're working with the editors. I just kept waiting. I'm like, God, I can't wait till we get to that episode. I think it was episode 19. I think I was like, please, I can't wait to get to it. I can't wait to get to it. So, 
uh, that was a that was a once in a lifetime type of match, and those guys just uh, I think made themselves that night. I mean, incredible! I mean, they were bleeding on the people in the crowd. I mean, oh, uh, there were people that there were people that were just horrified, taking pictures of their chairs that just had you know drips of blood all over them, and and uh, I don't know. I just think overall the presentation of it and the build to it was was pretty good, and and. Uh, you know, I think people wonder, like, what are they doing? Is Katrina with Phoenix? Like, I, you know, I don't know. Like, why are they doing this? But, you know, I think in the end, uh, it paid off. And then you got, obviously, Monster Mil Muertes after that. New, new reborn Mil Muertes. Black Pants Mil Muertes. Yes. <laughs> Bob, Bob, you know, yeah. freaked I, out as you saw Black Pants. Yeah, I got to say, dude, I was like, I was like pushing for to get rid of the pajamas but uh you know so uh, it was nice that, that he finally got some black pants he, you know he was he was tired of sleeping uh, bobby's also um, asking in the chat room uh who came up with the unique opportunities concept oh uh that was chris roach he he came up with the, the thing about like a unique opportunity and then we just kind of started rolling with it and using it and mm-hmm. uh you know we, we just thought that like dario cueto is the kind of uh, person that would, would give you something good. And then, you know, it always has something bad can happen to you in return <laughs> for giving you something good. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a beautiful, sadistic, nasty thing that only Dario Cueto can get away with and do. So, you know, he's, he's in a way, uh, you know, here, take a bite of this, but it might poison you. So yeah, that's uh, that's a cool thing. Mike, you had something? Uh, yeah. Now, I, I was watching Ultima Lucha again just to prepare for this. When Dario grabbed the uh, giant red beetle, uh, does that have any kind of significance? It's a or bull. Is that, it's, it's a bull? Okay. Okay. I, could, I couldn't tell from the angle. It, kind it of grabs the bull by the balls, you know? Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I was just making sure because I, I didn't know if that was like a choice that he made to just run back in and grab something or – Yes, it was. I, it was a choice that he made to grab that, and there's a reason why he did. Oh, excellent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love the attention to detail because it, it 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 dragged us in all throughout the season, where some little thing would would happen, and 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 we'd be on the midweek war, and we'd be agonizing over this one stupid little thing that happened. <laughs> Like, why did Dario pick up his glass that way when he could have done it that way? I don't know. They'll explain it. That was the beauty of it. Is that as the season went on, is that I would say about a quarter of a way through the first season, um, that the trust had been earned to the point where we were like, okay, I know there's something to this. And I just want to go along for the ride. But I just want to know why this is happening, you know? Yeah. I, I you know, we, we tried to you know, do little details and little minor things that eventually, uh, eventually pay off. Like I said, you know, we want to reward the viewer for, for paying close attention. And, and there's still, I mean, I, I honestly believe I've listened to a bunch of different podcasts and people talk about the show. I literally believe that if you go, I, I think if you go back and watch an episode, you'll find something that, that you might not have seen. If you go back and watch the season again. I know that's something that, um, our friend Garza has been doing. He went back and started watching some of the, um, episodes from season one from the beginning and like little things started to jump out like things like uh like all dragon azteca was like such a like a random thing for me at the beginning I almost didn't even notice him but he's like this huge part of the of the whole first season yeah and the guy in the hoodie uh in the very beginning uh people thought he was prince puma but at the end you see that 
it's a different person and he puts on the mask. Uh, so that was always uh, kind of part of the story too. All right. Hey, so like I said, this has been a big part of the midweek war since its inception and kind of our kind of tongue in cheek about how there were so many wrestling shows on Wednesday night, including you guys. Um, oh. Does it feel like a war? I, I, it seems like some of them may be winding down at this point, but what's kind of your perceptive? Are you seeing like NXT and, and some of those other guys on some other network uh, as, as competition at this point uh, directly? I mean, I don't really look at it as a direct competition, but I do think it's a it, it's a fun night of wrestling when like mm-hmm. there's all there's all these hour long shows on Wednesday nights. Like to me, it was like the best night for wrestling. I, I think uh, you know, with like NXT was real good and and uh, and ROH and uh, Lucha Underground. Uh, you know, so uh, you know it was good, and you know, and then you had TNA too with with with. Uh, they, I think they had a little. Did they have two hours? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. uh, you know, the, I looked at it as like a positive thing. It made like, you know, a, a, it made like wrestling night in America again, and, mm-hmm. but a different night of the, but, a, you know, but the midweek. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I think people like that. And I think people like to compare the shows. And I think that's cool that people do. I love when people are like, you know what? NXT won this week or Lucha Underground won this week. And, uh, it's cool. And especially rewarding when you hear, when you start piling up victories week after week after week, that, uh, that makes you. Yeah, definitely toward the end of the season, you guys start running away with it a little bit. Um, yeah, you guys kind of torched it. Right, right. So so um, I, I just happened to be poking around at your IMDb a little bit, and uh, Bobby's a big fan of Big Brother. And oh, yeah. I understand you have some involvement. With, I'm not a watcher of it, but he is like, I think he had a podcast for it for a little bit. Uh, so he asked uh, if you can save Jesse from TNA on it and uh, your thoughts on working with the program. Uh, I lo- I, uh, well, first, can, I don't know if I can save Jesse from TNA, but I, I, love, I, I do love Jesse. He's a great guy. Um, I'm not the only person who uh, has worked on Big Brother or works on Big Brother as part of Lucha Underground. Basically... Everybody on my writing team, Matt Stolman, Chris Roach is, was the co-executive producer of Big Brother. Uh, Matt Stolman's a producer on the show. We all work on Big, work on Big Brother. So <laughs> Big Brother is kind of a, uh, a a thing that we all kind of had in common, and it's a fun fun summer show. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, I've had involvement uh, doing story, working on certain episodes, uh, things like that. And if I have time off from Lucha, I would love to just go back and do that show again. It's just a fun summer job. It's like summer camp. So if I could get a little time, I would go do that and then come back back to Lucha. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens and, and how things play out. That's it, good because I remember uh, you were you were frequent, if I recall, on the uh, We Want Wrestling podcast with Dave Lagana, who's also been on the other portion of the show. Uh, I, I think I, I think I was only on it one time, and I. I uh, uh, we were drinking a lot. Though. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, I, I think I remember that too. But but I remember that that was always really interesting to me because uh, you know it was like you guys had a lot of discussion about writing for wrestling versus writing for uh, TV, and I didn't know how much like experience some of the guys uh, you, you and the other guys on the show had in that case. Um, yeah. Like what what's the biggest departure when you're doing wrestling versus TV? Generally, well, I mean. TV? I mean, I don't think a lot of people necessarily in TV understand wrestling, right. understand wrestling psychology, understand why people do things the way they do, why they, uh, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, even the even the, the cameramen, the producers and, and other people that we brought in into Lucha Underground would come from like Survivor, Amazing Race, Apprentice, Big Brother. They had never experienced kind of the world of wrestling. So 
uh, I think it came as a bit of a shock to them because I think a lot of people sometimes in different uh, parts of Hollywood or entertainment look at wrestling, look down on wrestling sometimes. And then when those people were involved in it, they were just amazed by the talent, by the storytelling, by, by the attention to detail and, uh, and by the true athleticism of, of those guys. So um, I think that's a little bit different. I mean, for me, Making a TV show is making a TV show. It's 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 a lot of hard work, um, and and uh, above all, I, I think the main thing is to make a good show. No matter what, it all comes down to telling a story that people can invest in. And uh, sometimes a Big Brother, you don't necessarily always have that opportunity because it's not very it's not very scripted. It's you kind of take the moments and kind of make them make them. You know, you have to take a two-hour scene and basically tell that two out what happened in two hours and two minutes and right, put it on because right. those people are living in a house 24-7, 365. So uh, it's different in that aspect, but in the end, it really always just comes down to, to telling good stories. All right. Well, Chris, you've been beyond generous with your time with us. We appreciate you hanging out here and geeking oh, yeah. out with Thank us. You. I want to give – I don't want to just cut off Mike and Eamon. I want to give everyone a chance to ask – one last question. Um, I want to ask one last question to you. Just one off-the-wall Hail Mary question. <laughs> since, you've okay. been, since you've been stonewalling me on everything else and I've been enjoying it. Oh, was, um, was, Lucha Underground, <laughs> was Lucha Underground ever in the running to uh, sign the Young Bucks? Um, I think uh, we had talked to them a few times, but uh, yeah, it just never, we never saw eye to eye. So as Big Rick says. Right. <laughs> I like that. Right. Eamon, you want one more? Uh, I'm gonna. Go, I'm actually gonna go with the one that uh, we did on the uh, Wrestling Mayhem show. Our big question of the week. Um, selfishly, if you could pluck anyone from WWE, TNA, anywhere to come into Lucha Underground, who would you most like to work with? Oh gosh, man, that's a tough question. Uh, could it be somebody that I've already worked with? Absolutely. Uh, God. Um, and it has to be from somebody who's currently on a roster in WWE or TNA or any other wrestling? Um, I think we, yeah, we, we were pretty I'll just, I'll, them, I'll, so I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll just go, all right. Uh, Brian Danielson, I would probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would probably. I'm sure a lot of people would be very happy with that, but yes. <laughs> Uh, that would that would be a good one for me. I would I would like to work with him again. And if you're looking I for, short, oh, go ahead. I had a brief I had a brief period of time of working with him in WWE, and I I would love the opportunity to do it again. That's awesome. Awesome, uh, Mike. Um, all right. Uh, who were you most surprised with that got the biggest reaction in Lucha Underground season one? Like someone who you thought that oh this would be a fun little storyline or this guy's good in the ring, you know, but who really like took off. Uh, probably I would say son of havoc. Uh, and I say that strictly because in the beginning he was kind of, I, I had a feeling that, you know, if we continued him down this kind of losing streak and embarrassment streak and he had the girlfriend and we did the thing that it would work, but I never expected the people in the audience to, and in the crowd to embrace him so much. It was really the fans in the temple and, and really the work of Matt Cross, the son of havoc that 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 got that character to where it's at and and man he they, he just took off and he's really like I, I think he might be the most beloved person uh 
person in there. It'll be interesting to see what happens this season when we bring people back and now that everybody's watched the season uh, to see how people react to certain characters. But, man, they, they loved him. They, they freaking loved that guy. And yet he still has to sit bitch on a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's funny, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was Who's that? Like, you at least had one leg, and yet she's still driving. Yeah, you just got to drive with your hands. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. What, what's with the voice? Uh, that was just something that uh, that 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 um, in post we just kind of decided to do and kind of make him a little more interesting and different. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just something that we did. And I think I don't know. In a way, it's 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 charming and cool and silly. But <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's, it's, it's it's son of havoc. So you know, he, you can do those kinds of things. Awesome. So, uh, hey, is uh, everybody knows what, what what you're here to plug? Lucha Underground. It's coming up, yeah. season two. When when is stuff coming out? What can we look for? Are there any surprises in the meantime? Should we just be staying tuned to the social media in general? What is going on? I would stay tuned to the social media for sure. We we tape our first episodes, uh, wrestling portions of them, starting November fourteenth. Really looking forward to that. Uh, we should be out sometime in 2016, hopefully early 2016, like uh, really early 2016, I hope. And uh, and um, I think you can look forward to um, uh, a lot of surprises, uh, more questions, uh, more great wrestling. And I think, uh, you know, I hope, I hope that we continue to remain unpredictable so that you think about what you think is going to happen at the very beginning of season two and we take you in a whole different direction. So hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, we keep you on the edge of your seats. That's what we, we're, that's what we all strive to do on the show. And we just want to keep going and going and hopefully we get season three, four, five, six, seven, and we can just keep making the show because it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to that. Uh, I just have, I have one request from you guys. Um, next time I I come on, can I get like a cool name, like uh, you know, like um, I don't know, Big Dick Johnson? Like, no, God, that's <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, not no. to say that. He said we I'm weren't going to say it. I'm yeah, sorry. No. He asked for a cool nickname. I'm like, that's the easiest setup in the world. Oh, you know, so man, close. I couldn't help it. I thought I thought I was going to get through this one without that. Being <laughs> I couldn't help well, myself. But once again, I'm proven wrong. Oh, it's like God. when you see a big red button that says "Don't push." Yeah, I, I, yeah, I've totally failed. So I was just—I just wanted a cool name, man. Sorry. We will absolutely come up with a cool name. We will brainstorm this on the midweek war this week. Okay, cool. <laughs> we we will brainstorm edition. this. We're going to get our best and brightest on this right away. Yes. Yes. Please, please. Get and on. it will be in Spanish, and we will have Antonio Garza say it, and Ooh. it'll be it'll have ours that will be rolled, and that'll do it for Mad Mike. Well, I think I did it for everything. Uh, okay. Uh, so on that point, <laughs> looks like we lost out the internet. Uh, but uh, uh thank you, Krista Joseph at Krista Joseph uh, at Lucha El Rey uh, at Mad Mike joining us at Amen Two, please. And of course, thank you uh to uh, uh our mainstream friend uh, uh mainstream Matt. It was my pleasure, and thank hey. you very much, Krista Joseph. Uh, and I apologize out. for Mad Mike blowing. 
blowing it for us at the end. Yes, yes. Or it, it killed the internet. It was so bad. Uh, so uh, thank you, everybody. Check out WrestlingMayhemShow.com. Check out the show live at WrestlingMayhemShow.com. We do their interviews here about 11 p.m. Eastern time every week, more or less. And we'll see you guys next time. Support indie wrestling. Show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.